0: When Hannah was in grade 9, she wrote a letter to God to ask a really important question.
1: Dear God,
2: are thongs sinful? (laughs) What is so wrong with
3: not wanting to show your underwear line? If you're just wearing it so your underwear line doesn't show, it's not scandalous. Isn't it okay? Doesn't a big, fat underwear line
2: attract more guys to your butt? Than a subtle thong? Oh, and why is my mom the only one who even cares about this stuff?
3: Is a thong that bad? That my mom and I have to fight endlessly over it? So, God, isn't it sometimes okay, in certain circumstances, to wear a thong? That's my question for the evening. Chat later, Hannah
0: that's hannah reading a letter she wrote in grade nine i'm dan meisner and this this right now is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids how are you doing tonight this is a show where we go back in time to remember the good the bad and the awkward parts of growing up This time, recorded live in the Leacock Theatre at Mount Royal University in Calgary, we have Brotherly Love, a story about the beginning of the world, sadistic short fiction, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and, like a thong, some of this stuff is very private. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. When Chris was a kid, his older brother, Colin, left home and traveled through Europe for a couple of years. And then, when Chris was 14, Colin came back home. So Chris wrote about it in his journal. What you need to know is that Chris grew up in a very strict Pentecostal born-again home. That is some useful context for the journal entry you are about to hear. Please welcome Chris to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. Quick heads up, Chris uses a cuss word in his journal, which we do
4: not loop. It's from 1985. Dear Journal, I'm a new person. He's back. Colin, after almost two years, arrived home from Europe yesterday and did not tell anyone. He broke into the house at five in the morning, woke only me, and we walked to McDonald's for breakfast. He didn't go to his friend's house or anywhere else, he came and got me. It was amazing. I miss him so much and he seems even cooler now. You won't believe this, but he even used the F word in front of mom and dad. And he sounds British. When we got back from breakfast, we walked in the house and he yelled really loud, can't a son get a decent cup of coffee? My mom screamed and ran down the stairs yelling his name, Colin, Colin, Colin. She was naked and she tried to hug him that is crazy enough but Colin's immediate reaction was to yell fuck mom put on some clothes he walked away it was the funniest thing I have ever seen but I don't ever want to see it again anyway I am so happy Colin is back He told me everything about his trip. We sat at McDonald's for over three hours. Side note, they have free coffee refills, and that'll be good for exams. (laughs) I feel like life is going to be okay again. He talked to me like an adult and asked me questions about my life. I cried because he was so nice to me. He looked at me and just said, it's nice to be missed so much. I could tell that he might cry too, but instead he said, you're the best little sister in the world. (laughs) We both laughed, and I wiped my tears, and of course, he didn't cry. He never makes fun of me to hurt me, but man, he already started teasing me, and I love it. He told me about so many things, falling in love, Oktoberfest, smoking marijuana in Spain. Side note, he said he really likes this, and I'm worried, but that's for another day. He even talked about sex. He showed me so many pictures of his trip and told me so many stories, and then he said the absolutely most amazing thing, that maybe when I'm 18 or 20, he would go again with me. How freaking amazing is that? I don't care about religion or rules. I want stories of being drunk in massive German beer tents, <laughs> and, girls, and girls who want to talk to me just because I sound Canadian. I want to get high with new friends in Barcelona and rent rooms with strangers that I only met on a train just to save a bit of money. I want to visit nude beaches, all capitals. All of his stories were so amazing. I don't know if I want to travel or Europe or if I want to be just like him, but I know this current life won't do. Get this. He couldn't work when he arrived in London because they messed up his papers. So he built a cart with wood and bicycle tires, painted it with a Union Jack, bought 600 umbrellas, and sold them to tourists at all the sites for a 400% markup. (laughs) He said that if that hadn't worked, he would have had to come home after only a month. He is a genius. He jokingly said he hated sunny days. We laughed. It was his very own business, and he just started out of nothing. He ended up buying over 3,000 umbrellas and gave the last little bit away to a friend because he got asked for his non-existent permit and was shut down. (laughs) But by then he could work legally. He is so cool. And he has so many damn stamps on his passport. I will write more about his Eurorail adventures tomorrow and the next few days. He has so many stories. Today, I am the happiest person in the world. My brother is back, and I went from thinking yesterday that I do not fit in this world to now believing I can conquer it. When we went to McDonald's, I brought Heidegger's being and time, and we talked about it all the way home. He's the only person that talks philosophy with me. Side note, I need to stop bringing books everywhere like a security blanket. (laughs) I didn't even open it. Colin asked me about debating baseball and my marks all in a way where I could tell he was proud of me and not checking up on me. I replied, debate, I rock. Baseball, I'm getting better, and marks, no problem. He said to me, kind of like he used to, do whatever the fuck you want, but do it well. (laughs) I did not feel like a geek with him. He asked me to make sure I tell him when I have games and he'll make sure he comes to a couple and said he would definitely come to all my debates. Nobody comes to debates. (laughs) It's weird how one person can make you go from hating yourself and feeling like the biggest misfit to feeling like you're okay, or even better than okay. I told him how I got jumped and beat up while he was gone, and his answer was so simple. Don't worry, you're only a couple years from nobody giving a shit how tough anyone is. He said that people are just behind me, and they haven't realized yet that they're the sheep. He actually called me enlightened, him who's seen half the world. It was the best day of my life. We both laughed so much. He told me that for my age, I'm the smartest person he knows and that he forgot how amazing I am. Me. I cried a lot with him. And when we snuck out the house and we're walking to McDonald's and I cried and said I missed him so much and I hated my life in Windsor with him gone, he said the best thing ever. He said, I love you too. I have the best big brother ever and he and I are going to change the world. I'm going to be who I want and I can't believe that I'm writing this. But in the words of the greatest big brother in the whole world, Fuck off to anyone who gets in my way. <laughs> I'm going to go with him tomorrow when he shops for a new m- motorcycle. P.S. He bought me the coolest Sex pistol shirt and he gave me a Sony Walkman and not a cheap version, an actual Sony and tons of mixtapes. He told me that when stuff arrives from England in boxes, I can have anything he doesn't want anymore. I love that he's back. I'm not worried about high school anymore. Talk to you tomorrow, next week. Life is great. The end. <laughs> My older brother, Colin, died in 1999, and I still really miss him. And my clothed mother is in the front door.
0: After the show, I asked Chris why he wanted to get on stage and share from his journal.
5: I think I wanted to share my brother not really a journal entry I just uh wanted to reflect back on that time and honor my brother and remember my brother and think of good times it's uh coming up on 20 years since he passed and oddly enough today is his birthday and uh yeah it just meant a lot to me to share his memory uh we did have a special bond um I think part of it's just age difference. My brother was seven years older than me, um, just lived life to the fullest. He was an adventurer. He skydived, he bungee jumped, he scuba dived. We just shared our time together and he was pretty phenomenal to me. So um, we had a special bond. Yeah, I I don't know how to explain that. I I can tell you it's probably the most influential relationship on my life to this point and probably will be forever. Um, I loved him. I learned from him. He mentored me. He took me under his wing. He took care of me when I was down Um, and uh, it was amazing and I miss it still every day.
0: a lot of different formats at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. We hear diary entries, and poetry, and letters, and all different types of childhood and teenage writing. And every once in a while, somebody brings a type of writing we've never heard before. When Jackie was in grade 10, her social studies teacher gave the class an assignment. Their job was to write a very particular type of story, a creation myth, all about how the world came to be. And Jackie wrote her creation myth with a distinctly Canadian twist. Live on stage in Calgary, here's Jackie.
1: From the churning masses of primordial maple syrup emerged the mighty beaver god Timbit. (laughs) Exhausted from his eternal swim, Timbit gathered stray branches and birch bark together, creating land masses which he called Dam thus creating the known world. Being unfulfilled with his now mundane life, Timbit sought to create a companion species. Using mud and syrup from the churning masses, Timbit fused together twigs from the dam, creating Rick Mercer and Celine Dion. (laughs) (laughs) Who were to serve each other second only to Timbit. Mercer was content in his life of servitude, while Celine secretly toiled with mutinous schemes. But Timbit sensed her betrayal and told Mercer to banish her to the underworld, America. <laughs> Upon hearing of her punishment, Celine lunged at Mercer, tearing his flesh with her talon-like claws and ripping out the majority of his hair, and swore to seek revenge. Selene was replaced by Anne Murray, who who equally pleased Mercer. Life continued normally as Timbit created Samoyed, the sun god, who led a team of huskies that pulled the sun across the sky each day, and Luna, the polar bear, who rolled the moon across the sky each night. To begin their independence as a people, Timbit gave Mercer and Murray three gifts that would cover their basic needs. A toque gum boots and the blueprints for an igloo <laughs> The two lived happily for many years and from them came all the creatures of the world today except for the platypus whose origin is unknown <laughs> Meanwhile in the depths of America Celine had been using the hairs torn from Mercer's head to genetically engineer a race of superior fiends to eliminate Timbit She called them politicians. (laughs) She set her army of darkness loose on the whole damn world. They they proceeded to to dynamite Timbit into thousands of miniature proportions, which they are still trying to eliminate today. But in honor of the fact that Timbit did create this damn world in which we live, The politicians in Canada dedicated our coin of second least value to this prominent beaver god.
0: Growing Up is a series of firsts, and we tend to hear about a lot of firsts on our stage. First loves, first kisses, first heartbreaks. Our next reader, Marta, described her teenage self as boy crazy. And before the show, she told me that as a teenager, she would often fall in love with somebody new every single month, and she would often write about those people in her diary. Tonight, we're going to hear an entry that describes the night she lost her virginity. Please welcome Marta to our stage. October
6: 5th, 1993. Hey there, I haven't written in a while, eh? Well, I'm sorry, a lot has happened. I miss Mark so much. Guess what, I just got off the phone with Mark. He's in town. October 14th, 93. Hey there, Mark is gone already, and I miss him. On October 9th, 1993, I lost my virginity to Mark Smith. Not his name. (laughs) It hurt so bad. At the time, all I remember was just lying there like a lipstick (laughs) and not doing anything. I wanted to move, but something happened, and I fell off the bed. (laughs) I got stuck between the wall and the mattress. And I had to have him pull me up. (laughs) Anyway, the whole thing took no longer than a minute. (laughs) And when it was done, all I could do was cry (laughs) and repeat, hold me, over and over again. He didn't know I was crying at first. He asked me while he was holding me if I was hurt, and I said a little. And he said, "Uh, so now you can go home and cry on your pillow and wish it was me. (laughs) And I said, I'm already crying. And he got all worried, are you okay? Are these tears of hurt or happiness? And I said happiness, but I wasn't happy. (laughs) I really don't know what I was feeling, lost. For about a half an hour, all he did was hold me. When I went to the bathroom, I looked in the mirror, and I wondered if I changed. Um, I had always seen my first time as something that was going to be special, and everything I always dreamt about. I know I'm still in love with him. He's my first love. But it wasn't special. It was in some bed that I'll never be in again with some guy who I won't marry. We used to say all the time that we were going to get married. But for some stupid reason, I don't think it'll happen. I wish it did. I really do. But we would probably get end in divorce. (laughs) I don't fully trust him, and I never will. There's more to this story. Look up November 5th and 6th. And all the other times, he just kept breaking my heart. Look up December 2nd. Oh, and October 5th. Remember that one? Well, I gotta go. I'm tired. Love, Marta.
0: After the show, I asked Marta what made her share this piece in particular.
2: I was going through my diary, and... You know, it was all boy crazy, boy crazy, boy crazy, and and, it, and that's super fun. A lot of it is super fun and funny and makes me roll my eyes at myself. But when I read to myself that day when I lost my virginity, um, there was a lot more heart and soul and thought that was put into it. And um, I think that most of the audience could relate. And I thought maybe it was relatable.
0: I also asked Marta if she could go back in time and talk to her teenage self, what she would say.
2: I would tell teenage Marta that she was a good person and that she deserved a good person and that she was seeking and seeking and seeking and um, and good on her for not giving up, but um, maybe she could give up a little sooner on some of the ones that really um, ripped into her heart a bit. and. I think she deserved better than that, and um, I think she knew that. She knew that deep inside. She struggled for a long time to find her self-worth. So, that's what I tell her.
0: Our next reader, Stephen, brought two pieces of writing from very different times in his life. We'll hear a school writing assignment all about family pets, written in grade three. But before that, a poem Stephen wrote at 14, entitled Life Without Love. Please welcome Stephen to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote as Kids' Stage.
7: Okay, I'll start with life without love. The ocean without sharks. The world without water. The food chain without humans. The earth without a sun. The ice cappuccinos without sugar. A loaf of bread without yeast. A fish without gills. A human without oxygen. A man without meat. Uh (laughs) An amusement park without rides, a Sunday without milk, a pianist without a piano, music without lyrics, discovery of Canada without explorers, (laughs) movies without actors, chocolate without cocoa, life without love, it just doesn't work. Sincerely, Stephen. This next one is about family pets. My bird's name is Sunny, and I got him from a guy that breeds birds. I love my bird because it is cute, funny, and it can talk. Our other bird died. Yeah,
0: When Robin was 17, her teacher gave the class sort of an unusual assignment. The assignment was to write a short composition on the theme, Beauty Can Pierce One Like a Pain. But the trick was, you weren't allowed to actually use the phrase, Beauty Can Pierce One Like a Pain. So, in response to this assignment, Robin wrote A Fairy Tale. Please welcome her to our stage.
8: The Story of Beauty and Empty Once upon a time, there was a beautiful girl. When she was born, she was so lovely that all the people who set eyes upon her got so tongue-tangled that all they were able to blurt out was, Beautiful! (laughs) Thus, she came to be named Beauty Smith. Her last name should have been Huckaboard, but her parents didn't like the way it sounded with beauty. As she grew into a young lady of 15 years or so, she became so radiant that everyone in the country fell in love with her. It happened, as usual, that all this attention that her looks attracted only spoiled her personality. (laughs) Each day, she became a little more sophisticated, and, although her parents did not know it, a little more sadistic. They didn't even wonder where her pets had disappeared to. (laughs) Or why her baby brother had not been seen for three weeks. Or how the guard had managed to fall out of the three-foot-square tower window in full armor. After all, as long as it had not cost them any money, why worry about it? (laughs) Day by day, Beauty began to realize more and more how much she could get away with. She soon had become a full-fledged sadist. One day, as usual, a handsome prince came into town to do some shopping. It just so happened that at the same time, Beauty was downtown buying herself a new herd of cattle to play with. Instantly, when they saw each other, they fell madly in love. He stopped to look at her. She paused, then ran over to him and sank her teeth into his arm. (laughs) He placed his hand on her head, wound his fingers amongst her hair, and gently drew her head from his arm, leaving the deeply embedded gleaming white fangs to help plug off the oozing wounds. (laughs) Then he turned her face up to his and planted a passionate kiss on her bloody lips. "'I like a girl with spirit,' he painfully moaned. "'But after our wedding tomorrow at two, I'll expect you to tame down a little.' "'What's your name?' Beauty lisped. "'There's nothing in a name,' he replied. "'But I guess I should tell you to keep the record straight. "'I'm empty.' Empty what, she lisped again and began to miss her teeth. (laughs) Deceiving, he mumbled while wiping the blood from his mouth. You're beauty, aren't you? Hmm, beauty's deceiving. That sounds rather nice. (laughs) Thus, the passionate conversation ran on for an afternoon, evening, night, morning, and two hours until at last they were wed. The wedding was as beautiful as the bride herself, and the guests came as empty as the groom. For the next 24 hours, everyone sat around and enjoyed themselves until at last the wine cellar was empty. (laughs) Finally, Beauty and Empty had a chance to be alone together. Empty raised Beauty's delicate hand to his lips, kissed it, then swept Beauty into his arms. Beauty smiled broadly, then bared her teeth, which she had replaced before the wedding, As she was about to reindulge, Empty reminded her of what he had said only the day before, and so she sadly retracted her fangs. Oh, well, she thought, it had to happen one day. Even though she had been crushed, she decided not to let this spoil an evening with such potential. Empty, she sniffed. Before I put on my new outfit, I'd like you to tell me if you like it. See the dress? It's the latest style in Paris. And see how well it goes with the matching darling hat? Maurice de Chapeau designed it just for me. (laughs) Oh, they're beautiful, he choked, but I'd rather look at them with you inside. Just a minute, you haven't seen the best part yet. Just look at this lovely hat pin, she exclaimed. Do you like it? It's gorgeous. Oh, I'm so glad you like it, she said, then calmly embedded it deeply into his chest. (laughs) See how well it fits? (laughs) Very daintily, Empty fell to the floor. For a moment or two, he writhed around in pain. Then, regaining his composure, he stated, Beauty, you have the ability to neatly penetrate a mortal in the same manner that the symptoms of some diseases do. (laughs) The end. I got, it, I got a 75% on it, but my teacher's comment was, sick man, sick.
0: Our next reader is Sarah, and Sarah is going to share... Some of the journal entries she wrote as a teenager, around 16 years old, she says these journal entries are partly the result of uh, growing up, going to a religious all-girls school, and then meeting some boys at a high school musical. (laughs) And there's a bit of a glossary, some terms that we need to define Pash is Australian slang for making out or snogging. Pash. Please welcome Sarah to the Grown-Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. A quick heads up, Sarah uses some cuss words, which we do not hope.
3: Uh, The 18th of March, 2002. Oh my goodness, I love everything right now. The musical is more fun than I ever imagined. Anyway, to catch up, I'm so over Paul, and he and Abby are actually going out. I like Louis now. Oh man, he's the funniest. The other day, he was in our change room, looking through my stuff. Long story, but... He came up really close, like this close from my face, and was saying something, and man, I had the funniest urge to just lash out and charge at his face. And damn, I was so close, but I restrained myself. Just hee hee hee. Now, Louis asked me out. Bah, of course he said no. I said no though, hee hee hee. Oh man, Louis is my boyfriend, wow. We almost kissed, but it was only like the side of the mouth. I'm so scared. I see him tomorrow, so I'm dot, dot, dot. I don't know what I was actually going to say. It's now April 2002. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to remember everything. I really wish I had written every night. So me and Louis. I broke up with him two days later. (laughs) so slack I know but I just stopped liking him and apparently he cried I don't know what to make of that anyway on Friday we had a prolonged peck it was quite odd and then on Saturday the inevitable he pashed me Ew! he fully shoved his tongue in my mouth and I was like crap I nearly bit it off (laughs) ha 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 I was pissing myself on the inside. (laughs) It lasted a while. And then he left, and I saw my friend Jackie, and I ran to her, and I was like, oh, my, ew. And she just laughed. It actually happened in the tent. Yeah, so then I told my friend Karen, and she screamed. But then the slack-ass that I am broke up with him the day after. It seriously happened in like half an hour. I saw him on stage before we went on. I turned to Karen and I said, I don't think I like him anymore. And she was like, what? And yeah, that's how it happened. LAUGHTER But now, yesterday, Liz told me that Blair told her that he was going to ask me out when I got back from Japan. Bah! What to do, what to do. Because the dilemma is, I kind of, not a heap, but yeah, I like Will. And some people think he likes me, which isn't true. But if Blair asks me out, I don't know, I don't want to be mean and say no, because I mean, I love him. And we have heaps of fun together. Oh man, this is so melodramatic. Oh, well, it's exciting for me. I mean, no one ever likes me, and then when they do, it's three at once. In the case of Louis, Blair, and Tom. I mean, spread yourself out, guys. (laughs) Ha,
9: (laughs) ha,
3: ha, ha, ha. Okay, the 3rd of July, 2002. This is titled Bastard Day. (laughs) Well, I just had the most fartful conversation. Will, the bastard, just broke up with me. He wasn't feeling it. Who says that? Oh shit, I'm so annoyed. And the weird thing is, I felt it coming. I knew it was gonna happen. I mean, I actually liked him. Of course he would break up with me. But I mean, it's good he did. I just wish I got in first. I mean, he kept going on about how he's going to bash people up and go get drunk and do drugs and go smoke, which is everything I'm against. And in group the other day, they were saying how it doesn't really work to go out with someone that's not a Christian. And I'm just taking a wild guess that he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Grr, what a waste of my valuable time. I hate guys. They are all the same. If they're not losers, then they're bastards. And if they aren't bastards, then they're losers. Gosh, my shittles, I'm pissed. <laughs> Today we went for a camel ride along the beach. Nice. Then we went shopping, then played squash, then went out to dinner at an Irish pub. It was cool. Then tomorrow we're going to go for a walk on the beach and go to the gym and play squash and yeah, bastard! I'm so annoyed. If I knew being dumped felt like this, I would never have dumped the other idiots that I dated. Fart. He is going to bash people up tonight. That's how he gets friends, apparently. Idiot. What did I see in him? I can't believe he fooled me into believing he was something he wasn't. He made me think he was nice, decent, funny, a gentleman. And the whole time he was doing drugs and smoking and getting smashed behind my back, I wouldn't be surprised if he got with other girls too. (laughs) F-wit. Okay, I'm way too worked up right now. I need to get it all out I'm so against all guys I need to find a nice, funny, Christian boy At least they're decent Oh shit, I'm so annoyed I'm so frustrated I won't be able to sleep tonight But Fiona has been so good though She pretended to bash up a pillow Saying that it was him And then she pissed on it Well, pretended to anyway I love her I'm so glad she's here with me I couldn't have stayed this sane if I didn't have her here. I'm so pissed off. I'm glad he's gone now. But I miss him. He smelled so good and made me laugh and was so nice to me. The shit. It's all lies. I hate what I feel right now. I wish I didn't. I'm going to stop thinking about it. Okay, no more. Love, Sarah.
0: That has been grownups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Huge round of applause for everybody who read tonight. So, so good. Thank you to Devin for doing sound and lights tonight. Thank you to Emily and Sarah at the door. Thank you to everybody here at the Leacock Theater. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Stick around, say hello, get home safe, and then dig up your own kid writing. We'll see you soon, Calgary. Good night.
4: some clothes.